We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Yeah, little Tuesday edition of Home and Home here on Radio.com slash home and the Radio.com app. Ross Tucker taking the lead today because... My normal co-host, Dave Briggs, is off today. He's on assignment. By the way, no idea what he's actually doing. I just always wanted to say that somebody was on assignment and he works for CNN, so it sounds good. He may actually be on assignment. I have no idea. I just wanted to start the show by saying that Dave Briggs is not with us today. He's on assignment. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. I'm going to be joined shortly by my guy ESP, Elliot Shore Parks, at Elliot Shore Parks. You only need one T in there for Elliot. Does a terrific job covering the Eagles and the NFL for WIP, the radio.com affiliate in the city of brotherly love there in Philadelphia. Home and Home is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, which of course is the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. I already gave you my Twitter handle, at Ross Tucker NFL, as well as Elliot's. Make sure you're following at RDC Home and Home, as well as at RDC Sports. We got a host of millennials that are just chopping up our video clips all morning and posting them. So if you're just listening, you can go back and actually see my facial expressions, or just see how ruggedly handsome I still am at age 40 on social media. By the way, I'll be joined by Matt Spiegel from 670 to score in Chicago at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. So the first 30 minutes, they gave me my guy, Elliot Shore Parks. The last two hours, we'll have my buddy Matt from Chi-Town to talk about the Bears, and a whole lot more. I think the NFC, by the way, is fascinating right now. I know the Chiefs lost to the Colts, but it still feels to me like the AFC championship game is going to be the Chiefs and the Patriots. And frankly, I'd be very surprised if it's not. Whereas the NFC, and I just did my power rankings on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which is always available on the Radio.com app, by the way, And I think I had seven, maybe eight teams in the NFC in my top 10. And you look at it and I could see any of them in the NFC championship game. So I think the NFC a little bit more interesting right now. Remember, we are less than five minutes of commercials per hour. And if you're listening to this, you've probably listened to a bunch of other sports talk over the years, whatever. Nobody else does this, dudes. Nobody else. There's no reason to listen to anything else and have 15 to 20 minutes of commercials. So when you hop in your car, you're at work, why listen to commercials? You don't have to. Just listen to me and typically Dave Briggs, who's on assignment. Today, you'll get a chance to listen to me and my buddy, Elliot Shore Parks, who I will bring in right now. He goes by ESP, which, by the way, is just great initials if you're someone that's 
trying to uh, predict the future and be a prognosticator like Elliot is. Elliot is a millennial. He dresses very well. He clearly has some type of fashionable hooded sweatshirt on today. Yes. Elliot, tell me about that. Well, here's the thing, Ross. You and Dave Briggs, as I found out our, as our, with our photo shoot we did, both very tall, rugged, handsome men. So I knew if I was going to fill in, I had to bring the A game. But unfortunately, I got up. I went to the gym at 5.50 a.m., which is very unlikely, not something I normally do because I wanted to look my best. Got up. Got in the car, no Apple Watch. So it's like the workout didn't even happen. So I'm putting that aside, and, and I'm ready to talk NFC with you. All right, all right. So let's start with that, by the way, okay? What all time right, do you go. normally go to bed and get up? I would say, well, now that I'm old, I'm 31 now. So I'm, I'm old now. So I go to bed a little, a little earlier than I used to. I would say 11 o'clock and normally get up around 7, 7.30, around there. Definitely oh, not at the gym at 550. I can tell you that for sure. So you get a, you get a good eight, eight and a half hours of sleep a night. Oh, I mean, this face doesn't, you know, like I got I got to make sure I get my uh, got to make sure I get my beauty rest. But that's, yeah, no, that's I've, been, nice. I've, been trying to, I've been trying to go to the gym more. So I knew if I'm going to a concert tonight. So I knew if I didn't get in this morning that I would I wouldn't be able to go. So the alarm went off at 550. I did the hardest part getting out of bed. But don't worry, I stopped. I got my pumpkin spice latte. Like, I'm ready to go. I got the energy now. God, I get up between 3.55 and 4.25 every morning. That's uh, insane. Depending on the day. Um, tell what me about the Apple Watch. I don't have one. Oh, well, Apple Watch is awesome. It's literally the only reason I work out, so that I can see the little graphic show up on my uh, on my phone or on my watch when uh, when I hit my goal. It's only thirty minutes a day of working out, so I'm not gonna act like I'm doing two and a half hours. But it's a little mental little mental victory that I get each time. So it's basically the only reason I go to the gym. Right, but what does it what does it show you? Like what what is the app? What information does it give you? So it gives me how active, like how many minutes of activity I do each day. And then it has some type of system that I get points for it. So I don't know if you can see it on the screen or not, I but I fill it. up. It's pretty empty right now because, as I mentioned, I tragically left it home this morning. But it like fills a little circle up and then I can look at the month and see how many days out of the month I'm filling up my circle. If I'm getting enough activity, getting that work in. So it's, it's just a little motivating factor. So does it bother you that you are shallow and you need an object to give you the feedback as opposed to just me with nothing on my wrists working out for an hour this morning and just the personal pride and self-dedication and determination that I derive from it? Well, that's probably why you're strong and I'm beautiful. So there's just a difference there. <laughs> It's a, hey, it's a diff I, I want I want to talk about last night's game, man. That yeah. was so. I'll tell you what's interesting about last night's game. Usually, like a thirty-one to three game, there aren't that many things to really talk about. You're like, yeah, they kicked their ass. It was a blowout, whatever. That's not the case at all. Like, we need to discuss number one, how good these Niners really are. Number two, yeah. how bad these Browns really are. Then we have to get into Baker Mayfield not shaking hands with the Niners at the pregame coin toss and Nick Bosa doing the, the flag plant thing when he mm -hmm. sacked Baker Mayfield. So there, there's a lot to get to. Those are the four big things 
I want to hit with you just from last night's game. Before we even get in the NFC, I'm actually going to go. Here's my order because I want to end with how good the Niners are. So let's start. Let's start with Baker Mayfield not shaking Richard Sherman and DeForest Buckner's hands, the captains for the Niners before the game. And your thoughts on that? So the fact that we're starting with this says everything you need to know about the Cleveland Browns. And I agree. This is what I want to talk about first. This was the exciting part of the game. But the Niners are the team that are actually 4-0. And we're going to talk about them last because we're talking about Baker's handshake, the, the, the flag planting, how terrible they've been. So this is the problem with the Browns. From the second that game kicked off, Baker goes to the middle of the field and doesn't shake Richard Sherman's hand. And I agree with Richard Sherman. That is Bush League stuff. Like, I love to see swagger out of quarterbacks. In fact, here in Philadelphia, I have my franchise swag rankings, which I rank just how a quarterback looks just basically off the swag. I think you have to have swag to be that number one guy. But Baker, man, like, what are you doing? Just shake his hand. There's no reason to give him that extra motivation. I thought Richard Sherman absolutely nailed it. This is a respect thing. It's an NFL thing. You're a former player. You can speak to that a little more. But I think, look, until Baker starts winning some games or is in this league seven or eight years or has personal beef with somebody, what are you doing that for? You're just hyping up a team that, by the way, is better than you are. You're just hyping them up even more. So I did not like that at all out of Baker. You know, here's the thing. There are things about Baker Mayfield that I really love. You know, the video of when they have a big play and, like, Nick Chubb goes for a long run and Baker Mayfield is, like, sprinting down the field to go celebrate or he's doing, like, the helicopter or the plane. I love that. I love the energy he brings to everything, to practice, to games, to his media sessions. I love that about him. I think he's a very accurate quarterback. I love that he has a chip on his shoulder. But my issue is, Elliot, he does so many stupid things that just don't help his team. You know, like mm-hmm. the stuff he said about Daniel Jones, how does that help you or your team at all? How, you know, the stuff he said about Hugh Jackson or Duke Johnson's contract situation, he, he just says and does things that help exactly nobody. And last night, not shaking hands was a perfect example of that. What, yeah, but, now, by the way, unless I'm in, unless I am, am, am in Bizarro world, isn't right. that, isn't that why he gave, he grabbed his crotch against K State, his last year at Oklahoma, because yeah. he was pissed that they didn't shake his hand during the pregame. So yeah. the same thing that pissed you off so much that you grabbed your crotch, then you don't do. In the NFL, when you're a professional, it's just, you know what it is, Elliot? It's just amateur hour, bro. It's just amateur hour. It's like, it's like, it's like the shit I would do in high school, maybe against my big rival. Like, dude, that's, what is this amateur hour? And by the way, why would you ever give the guys you're about to play? Like, they're already motivated. It's Monday Night Football. They're going to play hard. But why would you, right before this game starts, give them an extra little edge where they want to try to rip your head off and tear you apart? Like that help that helps you not at all, Baker. He just doesn't get it, Elliot. See, but here's the thing: like, if if Baker, I kind of as much as it annoys me, and I agree with you, it's amateur hour, all that stuff. If ba- if Tom Brady did this type of stuff, 
it would be awesome. Like, we would be like, he's the GOAT. He's up at, at midfield not shaking hands. This is why this guy's won six Super Bowls. So I think there is a bit of a place for it. And on the flip side, you don't see the best quarterbacks do that. But if Baker – I like that Baker's himself. I, I think his teammates do genuinely like him for now. But here's why this is an issue for Baker. His QBR right now is 32nd in the NFL. Like, if you're going to do this type of stuff, if you're going to say the thing about Daniel Jones, guess what? Daniel Jones has outplayed you this year so far. He's 2-1 as a starter. He came in. He had that comeback against the Buccaneers without Saquon. So if you're going to do this stuff, if Baker is going to not shake hands and, you know, always say things at the podium, then you got to back it up. And he's not backing it up right now. And that was also the other thing from last night. Baker didn't play well. So if you're going to go out and not shake Richard Sherman's hand and you're going to hype them up, fine, do it. But guess what? You got to back it up. Monday Night Football, prime time at the 49ers. This is where you have to be that franchise number one pick. And we're just talking about the handshake. If he wins that game, if he throws four touchdowns, then guess what? Richard Sherman says nothing about it after the game. We're not talking about it except for a, hey, man, Baker went in there and this is what you want. This is why you love Baker. So it's about the handshake. But it's also about what happened after that handshake and how poorly he played because it just it makes it amateur hour. That I think that's a good point. If he played great, we'd probably think of it a little bit differently. I would just tell you that like Tom Brady has the biggest chip on his shoulder of anybody I've ever met in my life or played with, but and he doesn't he doesn't manifest it in stupid ways like not shaking hands. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like. He, he just lets it fester. Like, rather than doing something stupid like that, he just smiles, shake your hands, and then stabs you in your freaking throat once the yeah. game starts. You know what I mean? Like, and Russell Wilson basically got kicked off the team at NC State. He basically got benched for Mike Glenn at NC State and is 5'10". You know how big of a chip on the shoulder Russell Wilson has? Meanwhile, he says everything right. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm just working hard. Uh, no, you know, it doesn't really bother me. And then, boom, he will punch you right in the face once the game starts and play yeah, his thing, ass off. That's what I love about those guys. But the thing is, those guys are not Baker, right? Like, those guys are older than Baker. They grew up in a different – like, Baker is more my generation. Even I'm actually, I guess, now considerably older than Baker. He's, what, 25, 26? So I'm older than Baker, but – this, like him coming up, this is who he is. I don't want Baker to change who he is. I don't want him to try to be Tom Brady at the podium. I don't want him to try to be Russell Wilson. I just want him to be the quarterback that he can be. The quarterback he was last year, where he was one of the most accurate passers in the league, where he led comebacks, when he came in against the Jets in prime time and led the Browns to that win. Like That's who I want Baker to be. Then he can be himself at the podium because I, I, I love it deep down. Like I love the ads he does. I love that he's in GQ. Like, I enjoy that stuff. That's why Browns fans love this guy. That's why Baker is one of the most talked about and popular athletes in the league right now. But he's got to back it up on the field. So, yes, Tom Brady, he's a different species, right? Like, we will never see another Tom Brady. And you're right. What Russell Wilson, he also doesn't do it. But I think we're past that. I think the guys you're going to see continually come up in the league now are going to be closer to Baker personality-wise than they are Tom Brady. But – Baker has to back it up on the field. He has to. That's it. That's the bottom line. So uh, I want to hear from Baker Mayfield. I, I would just say this, though, Elliot, to, to wrap up that point. Yeah. You know, Russell Wilson, Brady, you know, these guys, they never did that stuff. Like, they, they've never done that stuff. Jared Goff is young. Wentz is young. Mahomes is young. 
They don't do this stuff. You know what I mean? So I'm not really, I'm not giving him a pass or buying that this is like how quarterbacks are going to be now. I don't think two is going to be like that. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be like that. I think it's really just Baker. And I think it's really stupid. And let's hear him probably say something stupid. To not stack a win, um, you know, is very unfortunate. But we knew that um, nothing carries over from last week. Uh, we just have to come out and do our job. I think the most disappointing thing is, is as simple as that, um, you know, beating yourself. And then when you make mistakes and you beat yourself up, a team like that's going to capitalize, and they absolutely did. So, uh, you know, they deserve the credit. No, I, I didn't know that till I was informed before I got up here. Good for him. Good play. <laughs> the second thing he was talking about, good for him, good play, was Nick Bosa doing the flag planting after he sacked Baker Mayfield in the second quarter. It got all kinds of buzz on social media. People loved it. Uh, there are so many interesting aspects of it to me. Number one is the fact that what most Browns fans are Ohio State fans. So if you're like an Ohio State fan, you're like, yeah, you stick it to my quarterback of my favorite team that I love, Baker Mayfield. I mean that 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 put the, uh, the it, that that put the Browns fans that are also Ohio State fans in a really weird spot. I think people thought it was awesome that he did the the motion and then the flag plant. I guess I'm curious, Elliot, as to what your reaction was to it. So I'll be honest. I'm a little in, unsure. of Is that like – I know Baker did that before. So is that just a shot at, at Baker? Is that like an Ohio State thing? Like that? that's where that came from, right? So no. So here's the background on it. A couple years ago, uh, Baker Mayfield senior year at Oklahoma, they won at Ohio State. After okay. the game, he took the real Oklahoma flag that, like, the cheerleaders wear when they, you know, bring out when they start at the start of the yep. game. You know, like, the male cheerleader runs out of the tunnel with a huge Oklahoma flag. He got it from the male cheerleader, went right to the middle of Ohio State's 50-yard line, and waved it like this before trying to plant it right in the ground, in the turf, which... I mean, it's turf. It's not like a grass field. I don't think it really went very well. But putting a stake right in the middle of the O, right in the middle of Ohio Stadium, which really offended a bunch of Ohio State fans. So to me, it's just kind of funny because if you're an Ohio State fan, you're like, yeah, stick it to that guy. Except a lot of Ohio State fans are also Browns fans, and they're, they're sticking it to your quarterback after they just sacked your quarterback. So it puts the yeah. Ohio State slash Browns fans in a bind. Yeah, look, my take on it is Joey Bosa is kind of what Baker wants to be right now because Joey Bosa dominated that game. Joey Bosa made life really tough for Baker last night, as did the whole 49ers defense. But Baker really struggled last night because of the pressure that Joey Bosa got on him. So Baker wants to not shake hands. He wants to do all these things. Well, then, again, to get to that point, you got to be better on the field. Joey Bosa dominated. So guess what? He's allowed to plant that flag wherever he wants. He could stand over Baker and plant it for all I care. If you're going to back it up on the field and Baker gives you that ammunition, then Baker has to know that's coming. And, you know, to your point, this is – 
this is the downside of the Baker stuff, that if you're going to give teams ammunition and you're going to kind of poke and prod at them and then not play well, then you're going to get it smacked back in your face ten times as hard. Because i got news for you. The Browns are going to have a lot of struggles this year, and there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be able to smack all of Baker's trash talk and all of his antics right back in his face. So I love the plant flag by uh, Joey Bosa. Um. Nick Bosa, by the way, but they're, Sorry, they're basically they're, they're basically the same thing. So don't worry about it uh, in like yeah. every way as players, personalities, looks. The only thing I think is weird about it, and maybe I'm just old and not cool. Doesn't that just remind everybody? And I put this on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Doesn't that just remind everybody that Ohio State lost at home to Oklahoma two years ago? I mean, no. I, 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 that's, that's how I looked at it. No, no. I think if, if you're an Ohio State fan watching that game, like, I get what you're saying because they're Browns fans, so they're probably not super thrilled about the outcome of the play. But I do think Joey Bosa doesn't know anything to Ohio, to Ohio State fans at this point. And I think it's more of a Joey Bosa versus Baker thing than it is uh, Ohio State thing. So I, I, I liked it. I, I, I Again, I... I love to see the trash talk from Baker if he backs it up. And if he doesn't, I love to see people smack it back in his face. So I'm, I enjoy the off-the-field antics uh, and kind of the drama that comes with it. So Nick Bosa is, is not a man of many words, but he was asked about his terrific performance and mm-hmm. the Baker Mayfield thing after the game last night. It's amazing. I mean, you know you're working hard and you know you're, you're winning, you're getting there, but you're not finishing. And the fact that I could get some tonight was it was huge. Uh, I'm sure my Buckeye fans know, but uh, a few years or a couple years back, Baker planted the flag in, in the horseshoe, so I had to get him back for it. We're a championship level defense, and we're gonna we're gonna get after you all game. Nick Bosa, man, between Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, uh, you know Fred Warner, Sherman had the pick. And obviously, Nick Bosa, they, they've got some legit guys. D Ford, which we'll get to in a, in a minute or two, because I want to know how good you think the Niners really are. But let's just put a bow on the Browns first, Elliot. You know, they yeah. are now two and three after five games. And I think people were feeling better about them after they beat the Ravens last week in Baltimore pretty badly. Then they come out. And lose 31 to 3. You get run over on defense. You can't do anything on offense. I mean, I, I guess the best thing they got going for them is that the AFC North is pretty crappy because they do not look like a legitimate deep playoff contender, Elliot. No, and you know, one person who is going to fly under the radar just because of how big of a star Baker is and how big of a spotlight Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, those guys command. It's Freddie Kitchens, because when I watched that game last night and I rewatched it this morning, the biggest thing that stood out to me was how much better coached the 49ers are than the Browns. When you're the Browns and you come out and one of your first plays is a trick play where Odell Beckham is throwing the ball, that tells me two things. One, you don't have a real plan on offense. Like you don't know what your identity is. You don't know how you're going to get this lead. But two, you already feel like you need to do something desperate to give your team a spark. So I hated that decision decision from Freddie Kitchens. I liked what Kitchens did last year with Baker, but it's pretty clear early on that this job is a little too big for him right now. We're on the flip side with the 49ers. Shanahan is one of the best offensive uh, minds in the NFL. He's playing with less talent on offense than, uh, than the Browns are, 
and he's, he put up 31 points. So Freddie Kitchens is a big problem for this team right now. I think there's he's just he's in over his head. I don't think he's a good enough X's and O's coach, number one. But number two, I just wonder if, if giving a rookie head coach this roster with Baker and Odell and Jarvis Landry and all the personalities that's on that team, if it was just too much for him to handle. I think that's my biggest takeaway with the Browns early on. I think that's very fair. You know, to have a guy that a year ago was the running backs coach all yep. of a sudden be the head coach and play caller and offensive coordinator, I think that's way too much on his plate, especially a first-time head coach. There's just certain things in life, and you got a couple gigs, Elliot, beat reporter, you host a podcast, all those things for WIP. I've got a bunch of jobs. There's just certain things you have to learn. Like, I had to learn how to set up my camera here at my house to do home and home at radio.com slash home or on the radio.com app, the microphone, where to plug it. You got to learn things. Then every day you learn, okay, what, when should we go to break? I got to do the zipper. Like you just, everything in life, there is some needed uptick in terms of your knowledge. There's a reason why they have apprentices and apprenticeships for different trades because you don't know everything right away. So we should have been able to predict that the Browns would have issues at head coach that could really hurt them this year. Let's get to the other one, though, and that's the Niners. Because Mm -hmm. I was kind of up and, you know, I thought, okay, I think they're pretty good. But now I'm starting to think they're really good. I mean, their, their defense, Nick Bosa said it, They've got some nasty guys up front, which is we know is the most important thing on defense, and they run the ball very effectively. I got to be honest with you, right now, the worst thing on the Niners might be Garoppolo. Like he's fine, oh, yeah. but I don't think he's a top ten quarterback. So, like, if anything were to prevent them from being, in my mind, like legit Super Bowl contenders, it might be Garoppolo because he's just Jimmy okay to me. Yeah, well, that's a big problem because that's like saying you have a beautiful car out front, but the engine could go at any minute, right? Because you can have a great defensive line. You can be able to run the ball. You can scheme up the best plays. But that's really just masking a major problem that eventually is going to come out, and that is Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, right now, seven touchdowns to, I believe, four interceptions. So they're, they, they're, they're having trouble passing the ball. And to me, yes, defense is important. Running the ball is important. But if you can't throw the ball in today's NFL consistently, if you can't throw your way to a win, then I can't take you seriously as a Super Bowl contender. Because we saw this exact thing last year, only this is kind of like the bootleg version. Like the the Bears last year were that type team, right? They had a great front. They had a dominant defense. They were able to, to run the ball when they needed to. And their offense was okay, but deep down, Trubisky was the problem. And what happened? They got knocked out at home in the first round by the Eagles, who had the better quarterback that day. So if I'm the Niners, you, I think they could make the playoffs just because when you start 4-0, you have such a lead there. But they beat the, the Steelers without Ben Roethlisberger. They, they really don't have an impressive win on their resume yet, unless you want to say the Browns. But sooner or later, Garoppolo is going to have to throw them to a win consecutively. He's going to have to win games for them down the road. And until he shows me I can do that, I'm not taking them in the same class as guys like Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, guys that team, guys that lead teams that have shown they can throw the ball to win. So let's talk NFC. Um, I've got six 
of my top nine teams, it looks like, in the power rankings for the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, available on the Radio.com app, uh, are all in the NFC. If you had to give me a pecking order right now, who's your top, I don't know, one, two, three, four, however many you want to name in the NFC? Yeah, so I think that I agree with you there's a ton of parity. Um, I think that the, the slots like two through six, you could order in five or six different ways. But I do think the dominant number one team right now is the New Orleans Saints because they're winning without Drew Brees. They're showing they can win in different ways. And they're probably going to get home field advantage in the playoffs, or at least they're on pace to do it. And I don't think, short of, again, another blown call, I don't think teams are going into New Orleans and beating the Saints. So to me, the Saints are number one. Number two, I would probably still go with the Rams, just because I know Jared Goff hasn't played great as of, as of recently, but I still think their experience is enough to kind of, his experience in big games is enough for me to put them number two. Um, number three, I'm going with the Packers. Uh, they're, you know, a goal line stand away from being undefeated against and having that win over the Eagles. And I think Aaron Rodgers is slowly starting to improve. Obviously, we saw what the running game did in Dallas, but Rodgers was great in that Thursday night game. So I'm going to go them three. I'm going to go Seahawks, maybe four, um, Cowboys five. And I guess I would put the Eagles six, but I think the Panthers at this point, I might put ahead of the Eagles. And I'm probably missing something. Are you you just trolling your Philadelphia people right now? How are you? Why do you hate the Eagles? I don't hate the Eagles, but what I just said about the Niners is the case with the Eagles right now. They can't throw the ball. Carson's completion percentage is below 60%, four games in a row. First time in his career that's ever happened. They're 21st in the league right now throwing the ball. Deshaun is hurt, and look, when he comes back, maybe this will change, but the Eagles are not going to win on the back of Jordan Howard. Carson in the passing game has to step up, and until they do that, I can't put them over guys or teams that are able to throw the ball better than they are. I just can't. I mean, where would you have the Eagles? They're definitely not top three. They're three and two with a win over the Jets to get them that extra win. I've got it right now. Niners, Saints. Number, you have Niners one. Yes. That is Niners. The third thing I've ever heard, but okay. No, as currently constituted. So Drew Brees is not okay. playing. So it's how they are right now. So if the Niners played the Saints today you would pick the Saints to the, the Niners to beat them. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. neut- at, a, at, at a neutral site? Yeah, with Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, is Teddy Niners? Bridgewater better than Garoppolo? What's that? Is who's better, Teddy Bridgewater or Garoppolo? It's a good question. It's a good question. I I would have said Garoppolo until this weekend. I'm not I was not impressed by Garoppolo last night and Bridgewater yep. played like his best game ever. So I've got Niners, Saints, Packers, Seahawks, Eagles, Cowboys. I've got the Vikings and Rams and Panthers and Lions and Bears after them. I like Niners, Saints, Packers, Seahawks, Eagles, Cowboys. I I think you're grossly underestimating the Rams. I get that Goff has played poorly as of late, but they're still the team that was in the Super Bowl last year and did go into New Orleans. Yes, they blew that call, but did go into New Orleans and beat the Saints. So I I think you have to take, give them some credit for that. I'm pretty floored you have the Cowboys ahead of the Eagles, considering the Eagles, I know they beat the Packers. No, no, Eagles-Cowboys, Eagles-Cowboys. 
Right. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm saying you have the Eagles ahead of the Cowboys. Yeah. Why? Why? Because the Eagles have won two games in a row in somewhat impressive fashion. Number one, to dominate the Packers running the ball the way they did. To win at Green Bay, it's the only loss for the Packers so far this year. Yeah. And then I know the Jets stink, but they still had 10 sacks and a really good defensive performance. The Cowboys are getting worse. I mean, the Cowboys have lost two games in a row where they really can't get their offense going very much. And they've lost back-to-back games. So, yeah, I like the Eagles over the Cowboys. I mean, look, I have them in my total power ranks in the whole NFL. I have the Eagles 9, Cowboys – I mean, Eagles 8, Cowboys 9. So, so it's close. close, but yes. I'm super – I'll say this. There's very few games on the schedule I'm as excited for as Eagles at Cowboys in two weeks, Sunday Night Football. Like, that is going to be – if you want to have me back, we can do three full hours on that because I'm super pumped to see that. That could potentially be an NFC championship preview if the Eagles can turn things around. So that is going to be a huge game for both of those teams. You know why it's not going to be an NFC championship game preview? Because I think it's going to be too hard for whoever doesn't win the division to win two road playoff games to get yeah. to the NFC championship game because they're going to have to beat the Saints or the Niners or the Packers on the road twice like two games in a row very very hard to do you got to check him out on twitter he's a great follow he's all over the philadelphia eagles and the entire nfc it's at elliot shore parks only one t s-h-o-r-p-a-r-k-s does a terrific job working out even without his apple watch he gets up at 7 30 usually which must be nice and he comes on the show often. Thanks, Elliot, for filling in. I appreciate it, man. Problem, man. I had a great time. I'll talk to you uh, soon and see you next week at the pre or I guess a month for a pregame, but I will talk to you soon yes. on the show. Hope. All yeah. right. Sounds good, man. There he is, Elliot Shore Parks. He carried the first half hour. The next two hours, we get a little Shy Town flavor. We'll talk certainly Bears and Cubs with Matt Spiegel, but I want to get his thoughts on last night's game as well as the complexion of the NFC. Did you notice that neither Elliot nor I even mentioned the Bears among the top teams in the NFC? We'll find out what Matt thinks about that and get his take on the Baker no handshake, the Bosa flag plant, and more when we return here. You know the deal. Less than five minutes of commercials per hour. Nobody else is doing this. It is home and home. Brought to you by ZipRecruiter. I'll tell you more about that when we come back here to Home and Home on Radio.com Sports. Rolling along on a Tuesday edition of Home and Home here at Radio.com slash home or on the Radio.com app. Make sure you're spreading the word about the show that critics are saying, I love that show. You sound like you're having so much fun. That critic's name, by the way, is Sandy Tucker. She's my mom, so I don't know if you can really count your mom as a critic. We're with you until 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time live today. And then, of course, you can always listen to this show on demand. You can also watch the show if you want. That's why they have this fancy camera in my house. I'll be with you until 10.30. going to be joined momentarily by Matt Spiegel, who is the guy we hired today to fill in for Dave Briggs. Speaking of hiring, it's not easy. It's not easy to find someone as talented as Matt Spiegel. 
That's why Cafe El Toro's COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. You know what he did? He switched to ZipRecruiter. Because ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates and you get them fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, it is the smartest way to hire. And we hired Matt Spiegel for the show to fill in for Dave Briggs, who is on assignment. Matt, thank you so much for filling in. Matt, of course, is a host and MLB columnist for 670, the score in Chicago, always available on the radio.com app. He hosts Hit and Run on 670, the score, longtime Chicago sports talk radio host and producer, and I'm told has an incredible cover band called Tributosaurus. <laughs> is that right, Matt? Uh, that is true. I bristle at the cover band title, Ross, because somehow we've managed to carve out a little artistic credibility within the cover band concept. I don't know how. I'm a lucky man. We're like we're like the Chicago Symphony Orchestra of rock and roll. You know, they don't play their, their own songs. They play a night of Brahms or Beethoven or Bach, right? We do a night of Stevie Wonder or a night of The Who, a night of uh, The Stones, whatever. We've been like 130 different bands over the past 17 years. It's, it's very, very fun. I know that's not why you called, but thanks for mentioning. What's up, man? No, that's really awesome, by the way. Okay, <laughs> so you're like, a, uh, you're, like a, you're like a cover band on steroids or like a special yeah. – like, you're a cover band that's that specializes. That's I've never even heard of that before. No, that's 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 my concept. I'll take it. We are the Civil War recreationists of rock and roll, you know? Um so like every month we're a different band. So we've done 130 different bands. We've learned like 2500 different songs. There are no costumes, there are no 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 makeup, no uh just we just show up and the music is the star. So it's, uh, wow. it's been, what it's you, been what very do you play? fun. Do you sing? I sing, I sing and I front and, uh, I dance and I look ridiculous and have a, have a, have a good time. People respond when you have a good time, Ross, they want to see you enjoying yourself, right? Yes. This is, this is so when you're enjoying even doing what we're doing, when people hear the fun coming out of the conversation or see the fun coming out of the conversation, they want to be a part of it. They want to be on the couch with you 
watching a football game. They want to be hanging out and talking sports with us. That's uh, that's the whole gig. They're connected to me. The appreciation of music, the appreciation of sports. It's same same animal in my mind. Dude, I just got to tell you, I don't know you that well. You live an awesome <laughs> life. You live an awesome <laughs> life. Like you're a sports talk host by day, band uh-huh. front man by night. Like you're Crazy. winning, dude. Forget Charlie I, Sheen. You're winning. I yeah, like I turned two hobbies into jobs. Let's keep going, right? Where's the uh, where's the wood to knock on? Uh, and I all right. Uh, so I know you're gonna tell me. I know you're yeah. gonna tell me that you really like the balance of both of them, and that uh-huh. that's what makes it fun. But which one do you really like better? Like if you could only do <laughs> one, which one would it be? Um. It's whoo, that's that's tough, man, because especially this past year when I've been able to be a baseball guy uh, near, you know, in Chicago a lot and do uh, do hit and run on Sunday mornings, do whatever I want with baseball for three hours on Sunday mornings. That's been a lot of fun. But, man, you can't beat you can't beat being on a stage with a 10, 12 piece band and feeling the power of the music and seeing the crowd react and connecting with everybody and having that kind of transcendent artistic moment. You can't beat that. If you could do that for a living for the rest of your life and sleep until noon every day, I think that's choice one. Yeah, that, that, that would be what I would think. Although, you know, (laughs) it doesn't seem like it'd be real conducive to the family life. So I got a couple little girls that would be tough. That, that, that would be tough, but guess what? Covering sports for a living, unless you can carve out, I don't know, a nice home studio like Ross Tucker, then, you know, <laughs> that that can be a challenge as well. Right. Honey, I got to watch this last night. There we are with my with my beautiful wife on the couch. And I'm like, I got to watch Baker Mayfield crapping the bed against the Niners. I got to check in on the Yankees dispatching the twins. Got to check in on the Dodgers as they as they turtle their way towards a game five and a potential uh, a, a, another playoff exit. You got to keep tabs on all this stuff. You can't fake what we do for a living, Ross. You got to pay attention. No, it's a good point. Uh, I will say this. You know, for years I was on an NFL only channel. And yeah. so I had four hard months of that, or uh, maybe five. But then after that, I didn't really have to pay attention to NBA or baseball or hockey or anything else. Um, and it was just if I so chose. So it was really just a four or five month grind. Now that I'm doing this show and we yeah. do talk about baseball, we do talk about other sports from time to time. I have to pay attention more than I was. But it's kind of fun. Like, I'm, you know, we're still always going to major in football because football is king. But it's kind of fun to to pay attention to other sports and at least be able to to put forth my opinion. I got to ask you, before we get to last night's game, I got to ask you about the top button being buttoned. For those of you that are not watching and you're just listening, Matt has a red button-down shirt on, and the top button is buttoned. Is that so? You're like the front man for a band, so you're clearly cooler than I am. Is that like the cool alternative, like hip thing to do these days to have the top button buttoned? Here, not 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 these days. Uh, I mean, it's here's here's what I think style ends up being for men. Okay, somewhere along the way, it like if you're if you're just being honest, somewhere along the way you find a look that you decide works for you, and you probably just stick with it. So this 
was the height of what I thought was coolness in 1989. I nailed it. 89, I'm feeling like the Smiths or like um, the House Martins, like a certain brand of like British pop. And it felt good. And I have been rocking the top button swag, as my friends like to say, um, ever since 1989. I refuse. I'll tell you what, when I do this, and I'll do it for you right now, I feel so sloppy right now. I feel like I'm not sculpted. It probably has also to do with being a man of uh, some mild largesse, where the uh, the belly protrudes a little bit. When I do this, I feel uh, like I'm sculpted. I am. I am. Fin- I'm a finished product, ready for the world to consume. Follow me. But it just doesn't look that comfortable. Like, like when is. I have to wear a tie or whatever, my least favorite thing is having the top button button. Like that, that's it, it just I, I'm a I'm a man of comfort. Uh, well, this this feels like I'm in chaos. I'm like out of control when I unbutton the top that like my my flesh is just going to fall out of my clothes and my 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 wallet's going to fall out of my pants. My thoughts fall out in, in, in bad order from my head. No, this is the top button button means everything is is dialed in and ready to go. All right. So speaking <laughs> of dialed in and ready to go, the Niners were <laughs> dialed in. And ready to go last night. You know, I wasn't yeah. necessarily buying them all that much after their 3-0 and start. But that was pretty darn impressive. What they did to the Browns last night. Both sides of the ball. As a guy that lives in Chicago and you've got your eye on the NFC and where the yeah. Bears fit into that picture. Are you buying the Niners as like legit contenders in the NFC after what you saw last night? Well. It, it's hard not to because they can run the ball. They ran for 275 yards. They ran for 259 against Cincinnati. They, uh, they have several different running backs. Um, it's a fantasy player's nightmare, of course, with, with Breda and, and Raheem Mostert and Wilson and Coleman, but they all contribute. And it's a Kyle Shanahan offense. Y- you know, Ross, it's it, to me, it's a variation on that old Rick Dennison zone blocking scheme that his dad made famous, right? It's like they can run the ball and they can run it on anybody. And they're four and zero without their $137 million Jimmy Garoppolo being special. Um, I, I don't know how seriously to take that defense. I know Richard Sherman is still good and a hell of a leader to have in your secondary. I know Nick Bosa looked like a number two pick last night and made life hell for Baker Mayfield. And if he plays like that, that changes things. But Kyle Shanahan just has a way of making offenses at, at a minimum functional and, and at a maximum able to beat you a number of ways. And, and as I said, we haven't even seen, Garoppolo, you know, have to take care of things and 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 win a game uh, on his own. I I I happen to think that guy is capable of it, but we haven't even needed to see it. I I am impressed by them, and that is a big step towards uh, national acceptance as being legit. Yeah, I, I guess my question too would be: when you watched that game last night, were you thinking, "Wow, this is more really good Niners or more"? Th- and I know it's a combination of both. Or this is more really bad Browns. 
Yeah, it's, I used to do a bit, Ross, called impressive or inept. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Was that the Niners being impressive or the Browns being inept? And as you say, it's usually a mix. Um, but I, I got to give the Niners Bosa's presence and dominance. That That's more him than inept line play. I think maybe Baker Mayfield played into it by being a little bit in chaos back there. I got to give the Niners the impressiveness on the run attack because they've been doing it all year. And and we've seen Kyle Shanahan um, do this at other places. But inept, I, I, I don't think, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think Freddie Kitchens knows what the hell he's doing. That's a lot of talent. You got a lot of people. And maybe it's more Baker Mayfield than it is Freddie Kitchens. It's the combo platter right now. But... I have not been buying the Browns in all this offseason conversation and hype. I know they put up the big, big numbers a couple of weeks ago offensively. But watching that last night, this is another week where I'm watching them and I'm like, they are less than the sum of their parts. And you can't show up like that week after week in the NFL. No, and it's funny because I, I would imagine, Matt, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but – yeah. I would imagine you you know you got the black rim glasses you, you know you you got the late 80s music I got to think that you like Baker Mayfield and you like sort of his <laughs> his punk rock vibe I'm not going to shake your hands I'm going to tell it like it is I would imagine I don't want to put words in your mouth but I would think that maybe you liked it am I right or wrong You're actually wrong I I, I need an adult Come on, maybe it's because I'm an adult now and I got a child and, you know, trying to do right by my family and, and do right here in the world. But no, quarterback has to be an adult, Ross. It, it, you have to lead in any number of ways. And it's like, you know, as a parent, you better be on your game all the time because your kids are watching everything you do, right? They're going to pick up on everything. If they see you uh, you know, you know, not do something that you tell them they have to always do. They're going to be like, Oh, wait a minute. I just saw you shortcut that. Why am I supposed to listen to you? A quarterback has to be on his game at all times. Cause you are setting the template for your offense for sure. And, and even more so for probably for the whole team, because you know, what you get away with as a player is what other players are going to think they can get away with. No, I, I, I think Baker is way too much of a volatile child. And to be carrying this, this, this stuff that he did in college up, it feels, it feels so Manzellian to, 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 to coin an adjective, doesn't it? I mean, and maybe that's, it's, it's a Browns thing these days, but it just feels very, very amateur. And uh, and this is not uh, this is not an amateur league. This is a big boy league. Show up and be an adult. Do your work. I think you use the exact same word, Matt, that I've been using, which is amateur. It's just amateur. Yeah. You know, it's like maybe the thing you did in junior high, maybe high school, but to not shake hands before the game. And by the way, how about picking a lane, Baker? Your senior year of college. You cussed out the Kansas sideline and grabbed your crotch because they refused to shake hands with you at the pregame coin toss. And then you go out and you do the same thing to the 49ers in an NFL game? Like, that's the thing I don't understand, Matt, is, number one, pick a lane, bro. Like, is it disrespectful and you're okay with that or are you not okay with it? Like, 
if you're not okay with it, it, then I guess you're not, and you grab your crotch and okay. But then you go and you do the same thing two years later. Like, what are you talking about, dude? And here's my biggest issue. I know people in Cleveland love him, Matt. And guess what? If I was 12 years old and I was in <laughs> Cleveland right now, I would love him too. I'd be like, yeah, Baker, he's our guy. We finally have a guy that tells it like it is, and he's awesome, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. You don't think Tom Brady, who I play with, has a chip on his shoulder? He's got the biggest chip on his shoulder of anybody I've ever met in my life. You don't think mm-hmm. Russell Wilson has a chip on his shoulder for you know NC State, Tom O'Brien, basically kicking him off the team so we could start Mike Glennon? And, I mean, these guys all have chips on their shoulders. That doesn't mean they have to act like assholes. Or more importantly, it doesn't mean, <laughs> in my mind, Matt, they have to do things that just don't help the team. That's the thing that he, that that uh, that bother me the most is I love his energy and excitement when they're having success and he sprints down the field and hugs Nick Chubb and I love that he's got some Farvian qualities in terms of the emotion, the energy. But how does not shaking hands with a corner and a D tackle before the game? How does that help you? Like, bro. They already are going to try to play well. It's Monday Night Football. They already want to sack you. Why would you help them get to even more of a fevered pitch? Why would you help them go back to the sideline and be like, that mother sucker didn't even shake our hands. What? Let's kill him. Like, let's like, we don't want to just sack him now. Let's try to kill this dude. How does that help your linemen that have to block those guys? I can remember. I'll give you an example, Matt. Okay. 2002. Now, this was a preseason game, if we're being honest. But 2002, I'm starting at right guard for the Redskins against the Bucks. okay? Mm-hmm. And Warren Sapp's playing, but I wouldn't have called it 100%. I mean, he was playing fine, right? Yeah. He was coming yeah. off the ball. He was playing. He was trying to beat me. I don't know what happened at the end of a play. But he it's, it's only my second year. I'm 23. I'm trying to earn a starting job. At the end of the play... Something happens where he's like talking trash to Stephen Davis or holding Stephen Davis down. And Stephen Davis takes a swing at them and they start just jawing. They just start jawing. Well, I line up, Matt, and the next play, Sap went 110%. He came <laughs> flying off the ball and jacked me up. I was, it, it was a different speed. I was like, whoa. After the play, he and Stephen Davis keep talking trash, keep talking shit to each other, come back to the huddle. I'm like, Stephen, shut the hell up. Like, I'm trying to st- – I, I, I got to block that guy. Can you please – like, for me, like, for me in yes. my, like, career, can you please just shut up? Like, he was not playing like this until he started doing this. He just kept talking trash, and then he uh, – Sap beats me, hits Shane Matthews for a pressure – Like, it was a totally different – like, my point is about Baker Mayfield. Why do things that hurt your team rather Mm -hmm. than help your team? I don't get it, Matt. Well, it's a really interesting story because what it ties in with is is this. It's such an energy game. It's a volatile um, edge of your self-control hostile game where that little extra bit of emotion can make a difference. 
And Stephen Davis is putting you in an awkward situation because it's a team game. Now, maybe Stephen Davis at the time thinks he's a badass, and if he goes one-on-one with Warren Sapp, he'll lower his shoulder and drive in and hold his own. That's fine, but you're in between. So as you said to him, it's pretty damn selfish to make you have to deal with the energy that Stephen has just kicked up from Warren Sapp. And that's what Mayfield does. You better be great. First of all, if you're Baker Mayfield, you're going to do this garbage. You better be great. And there's no way he's great yet. And he should know that he's not great. And he can't be just yet. He needs more time, needs more study, needs more knowledge, needs more skill, uh, and all of that. And because it's a team game, you're giving Richard Sherman emotion as he then goes out there and 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 messes with OBJ and messes with Jarvis Landry. You're giving Nick Bosa pass rush emotion which you've given him. Look, Bosa planting the flag shows you that he came into this game with that Baker Mayfield, you know, vengeance ready to go. So he's already as a pass rusher dialed in and dialed up. And that little bit of an edge is going to help him get around the corner. And it did over and over and over again. So a, you better be great. And B it's a team game. This isn't baseball where it's uh, an individual concept or an individual one-on-one matchup within the team concept. This is such a team game and you're going to need your guys and you can't hang them out to dry. This this is this is why what we're talking about, Ross. I need an adult, man. I lived through 7 years of Jay Cutler and and watching and dissecting him every week and figuring out the parts of him that were immature, the parts of him that didn't care and how that manifested in his own locker room, how that manifested on the field. It makes me appreciate a young adult quarterback when I see one like Deshaun Watson. Oh, God. And that dude, I know we've got sound from him that we'll get to at some point here uh, because I I have such Deshaun Watson envy living in a city where Mitch Trubisky is supposed to be the savior. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Matt, because we're going to get to the Deshaun Watson audio, and I want to get your thoughts on where you guys are right now with Trubisky in – the Windy City a little bit later. But when we come back, there was a heck of a press conference yesterday (laughs) that we need to break down. And honestly, there were comments from a new head coach that I think might even be more concerning than the press conference itself. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.